0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Can we, can we try it here? Let's try it here. What? two, three, four. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's the problem.
2: God Radio Broadcast on blogtalkradio.com I am your radio hostess this evening, Evangelist Rebecca Collier Hagler And I want you to know tonight that God has a designed word especially for you Psalms 119 and 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee With God's word in our heart, our lives will be forever changed And then Psalms 119 says, I will a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Meaning the word will illuminate our steps as we walk towards our purpose and our destiny in Christ. Well, it brings me great joy to come before you tonight right here on blogtalkradio.com and to share. A word from God with you. I pray tonight that you, well, I ask tonight that you will pray for me. I'm just a little bit up under the weather, but with your prayers and with God's His anointing, I know that uh, I will be feeling better here real, real soon. But I'm asking that after the broadcast tonight, if you enjoy the message on this evening, that you will go to our main page and click follow. And this lets us know that you are being blessed and that you enjoy our broadcast. And I want to say thank you to all of you who have been following the broadcast and to say thank you for your encouraging words, for your support. And I want you to know that I truly do love you all so very, very much. We also have a page on Facebook called The Word from God. Click like to you like our page. And you can also email us at a word from god twenty thirteen at a o l dot com and tell us just how much you enjoy the broadcast and I would also ask that if um the spirit of the Lord lays on your heart to be a blessing financially to this ministry that you will um bless us with whatever offering the spirit of the Lord lays on your heart. Um, we don't have any set amount, just whatever the Spirit of God speaks to you. And this is only to help us to further ourselves, ministry, to further this broadcast, and to help with all of the things that God is calling us to do in these last days for his kingdom. And I thank you and I appreciate you for any donations that you might would send to us. Well, on tomorrow... August fifth, twenty thirteen, at seven o'clock, I will be teaching uh, via our, the webinar on the end times. This is the assignment that God has given me, and it is time for the church to wake up and to begin to prepare for the Lord. In uh, John fourteen one through three, it says that He goes to prepare a place for us, that where He is. There there will we be also, and in acts one eleven when Jesus ascended back uh to the Father after his time here on earth, and after he resurrected and he stayed here a few more days, uh the men saw him uh ascend into heaven, and acts one eleven says, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heavens?" This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall come again in like manner as you have seen him go. in Meaning the same way he left is how he's going to return for his church. And then in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 8, uh, it says that... Um, that we are to um, we are to love, or I'm sorry, let me read that scripture. It says, "Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, shall give me, and not me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing." Meaning, we are to be anxiously awaiting for the appearance of Christ's return for His bride. And then in Revelation sixteen, fifteen this is from the message Bible, and it says, Keep watch, I come unannounced like a thief. You're blessed if awake and dressed. You're ready for me. Too bad if you're found running through the streets naked and ashamed. If you are prepared and dressed, you're going in the rapture. For those who are left behind you will suffer great tribulation. And in the great white throne judgment, all you've done and committed will be, will be revealed and nothing will be left out. So if you would like to be a part of this exciting in time, I ask that you would go uh, on to our Facebook page, which is a word from God. You go find the link on there. And you can join us um, here at Central Standard Time at 7 o'clock. Uh, East Coast, it would be 8. West Coast, it would be 5. Uh, Mountain Time, it would be 6. And I'm asking you to join in with us on tomorrow evening. And we're going to be doing some teaching on being rapture ready. And then the next week we will actually be getting into the actual rapture of the Church is going to be exciting. This whole teaching on the end times is really exciting. Uh, I would just ask that you would come, go on, go to my, um, to my, a word from God Facebook page, and you'll find the link to attend the class on tomorrow evening at seven o'clock Central Time. I ask that you tell your family, your friends, your co-workers all about this webinar event. Uh, We're looking forward to. having you in the class with us tomorrow evening. The classes are for one hour. It will be every Monday starting tomorrow from about 7 until 8 o'clock. Please join in with us. There's going to be a lot of exciting uh, teaching about the end times. We'll be doing some some uh, PowerPoint presentation on there as well. So not only will you be able to hear, but you'll be able to see see some things uh, about the uh, up and coming in times um, prophecy is being fulfilled things are happening we actually are in the last days we don't know when Jesus himself will appear to get his church but I believe that it's not very far away many ministers now was watching some things on TV today and the word is getting out, and it is that Jesus is on his way back soon. Ministers are starting to get their churches cleaned up because people want to be ready to go in the rapture. So before I get into tonight's word, tonight's word is the seven things that God hates. We're still in our Are You Rapture Ready series. So we're just going to ask you to get your Bibles, your pen, your paper, Uh, Your cup of coffee, your tea, your water and just sit back and just enjoy the word of God tonight go ahead and we're going to do a song for you God bless you Let's stand in his honor tonight to everybody that can get on your feet to him who
0: sits on the throne
2: and unto the Lamb.
0: To the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we bless Him tonight. Everybody lift your hands just for a moment. Come on. Let's lift it up to Him right now.
1: To Him who sits on
2: throne and unto the lamb be all blessings and honor and glory and power hallelujah forever and that's where we're trying to get we're trying to get to that place called heaven where to him who sits on the throne and unto the lamb we will him saying giving all blessings all glory all honor and all power we'll be just worshiping him day in and day out never have to be interrupted never have to stop we can be in his presence always to him who sits on the throne can you imagine when we're actually in heaven and we're Standing at the very throne room, I mean in the very throne room of of Christ Jesus, of the Holy Spirit, and we're worshiping them, and we're bowing, and we're just having a Holy Ghost good time in the Lord. That time is coming, and that is why God is sending his assignment for us to get rapture ready, because it is almost I don't know how soon it will be, I don't know what day it's going to be, but I just believe in my spirit and so many others are saying that it's coming soon. We know not the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh, but we know he's coming. His words says, behold, I come quickly. He says he comes in the night. So it is for us to be ready to him who sits on the throne and unto the lamb be all blessings and honor and glory and power forever. Can you just see yourself in the throne room with your hands lifted and your voice in praise to him, thanking him for bringing you across these hard times in your life, just living for him and and you make it in and you're rejoicing and and you're just basking in the presence of God every day for eternity, which means there's no ending. We will be with God forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We praise you, Father. I ask right now that you bless your preach word. I pray that your people that are listening, oh God, will be moved and that they will hear something, Father God, that will prick their heart and convict their spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we're still in our series uh, called Are You Rapture Ready? For the next couple of weeks, our message will reveal some areas in our life that God is not pleased with. Now, these messages are not to make you feel like you're an awful sinner or that God doesn't love you. But these messages are to bring us to a place where God can reveal areas of weaknesses and oppression in our lives. He wants to deliver us, set us free from these areas of bondage if free, then we can share our testimony and help others to be free. It's all about being ready for the return of Christ. So on tonight, let God reveal to you the seven things he hates that troubles our lives. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask that you'll get your Bible and that you will turn to Proverbs, chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. This is Proverbs, chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. And this is how the scripture reads. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imagination, feet that are swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord amongst the brethren. Now, our, our number one. Thing that the Lord hates, and that is a proud look, a proud look, meaning arrogant eyes, snobbish eyes, a look of overestimation of oneself while underestimating others. You look at yourself and you say, Oh, look at me, I am all of that. Hallelujah. But then you see somebody else that you think is not quite up to par, and so you, look at them. you don't talk to them when you see them in church because you're too good to speak to them. You uh, see somebody on the street, maybe, and we've all done it, including myself. You know, not wanting to give to those that are begging, not wanting to uh, share. Sometimes we'll see things on TV about the little children that are starving or some some things you know, where we can help people by sending in a little money. Now, I do say that you have to be very, very careful about what you do and your money to and that kind of thing. But I do ask that you pray and ask God, Lord, is it okay for me to give this woman um, uh, money to help feed her children or to get gas? Because everybody is not out there scheming. Some people are but God will take care of those crooks as long as you do what you're supposed to do let's turn to Luke chapter 18 verses 9 through 14 and in this scripture we see the Pharisee and the publican or the tax collector who were both praying starting at verse 9 and Going out of the message Bible on on this, yes. And starting at verse nine, it says Jesus told this parable to certain people who had convinced themselves that they were righteous, who looked on everyone else with disgust. Now, what does Jesus see in your eyes or in your face when you look at others? Do you look at people and discuss, do you think or feel like you are better than most people? I mean, at one point, you know, this was kind of a joke. You know, I'm all that in a bag of chips. You know, we all have said that, you know, there's nobody like me. When God made me, he broke the mold, and that may really be true because it is good to think good of yourself, but not, excuse me, not to think that you're better than others. You have to have some type of self esteem. You must know who you are, but in knowing who you are, you must also know how to treat other people. Verse 10 says, Two people went up to the temple to pray the Pharisee, the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself with these words. God I thank you that I'm not like everybody else, crooks, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Now, hold up. Why are you speaking against someone else in your prayer to God? Why aren't you focusing the prayer First, trying to get your heart right, asking God to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you. Do you have to someone else down to even feel big with God? Do you not understand that God sees your life every day? He sees everything that you're doing, and yet you still have to find something wrong with somebody else? to make yourself look big with God. It makes you feel like, uh, it it seems like what you're doing or what this person was doing was uh, given an itinerary of his life, like God didn't know what was going on in his life. The record keeper sees all that we do. And then let's go on into verse 12 and see what else that the Pharisees said. He said, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I receive. So I guess the Pharisee felt like uh, God couldn't see here or God didn't know anything. This kind of praying goes to the top of the ceiling and back down to the floor. Don't even think that God is even hearing that prayer because you're being proud. You're overestimating putting yourself up so high that nobody else can touch you you're so heavenly minded that you are definitely no earthly good you can't do anything for anybody else you don't have a heart for people you can't go and witness because if you were witnessing to people and leading people to christ you wouldn't look at them the way that you do what if jesus was thinking of himself so high. I mean, if anybody can think of themselves so highly, it's God himself. But God brought himself down low to the earth. He didn't come in his Kingly splendor. He did in his godly splendor. There were no lightning bolts, and, and there was no thunder and no booming voice that said, hey, my son is born. My son is here. Go ye and find him. God didn't do that. Jesus came in a lowly manner. He wasn't even born in a hospital. He wasn't even born by a midwife. He was born in a stable with animals around him. He was born, and his first crib was a manger where the, 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 the animals do their slop out of. This is where Jesus was. He was wrapped in some swaddling clothes. We don't even know if the cloth was clean or not. He came as a humble being, And he came to a lost world, and he walked amongst the people, and he talked to them, and he dealt with them. And he never said, Father, you know, I'm here giving my life for these sinners. Look at them. I don't know if I want to die for them. Maybe I'll just come back. He didn't feel that way. He didn't say Matthew 7:21 and 23 says, and this is in the Message Bible, verses 21 through 23 in Matthew 7. Knowing the correct password, saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my Father wills. I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me. And after, we preached a message. We bashed the demons. Our God sponsored projects had everybody talking. The programs that we put on, the big, huge buildings that we built, all of the wonderful things that I did in ministry. Lord, I did those things for you. Now, that part I added. But. <laughs> But uh, all of the God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I am going to say to you? I'm going to say, you missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. Don't impress me not one bit. You're out of here. I love how the Message Bible puts it because they put it in today's language. But who are we telling God who we are, telling God what we've done? None of this impresses God at all. It, <coughs> excuse me. How dare we walk up to God? How dare we stand in our prayer closet and say, God, listen, I'm a I'm a, a, a perfect, I'm everything you can want me to be. I know you're pleased with me. I'm not like the other lowly sinners out in the street. I don't commit adultery, I don't fornicate, I don't do this, I don't lie, I don't cheat, I don't steal. Look at me. I'm the epitome of of the the the, uh, the righteous Christian. Everybody should model their life after me. But that is not pleasing to God. God is not impressed with that. And I believe in the King James Version, it says, Did not we uh, preach in your name? Did not we cast out devils in your name? And God is going to say, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, because I never knew you. You didn't do anything for me. You may have done it in my name, but it did not reach up here. We never got the message. We never even knew anything about you because you never belonged to me. Having a proud look, being proudful about yourself, thinking more of yourself and less of others. Because when you think about yourself, you do nothing. I mean nothing for other people. But let's hear the tax collector's prayer in verse 13. He says, But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to look towards heaven. Rather, he struck his chest and said, God, show mercy to me, a sinner. I tell you, verse 14, I tell you, this person went down to his home justified. All who lift themselves themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will will be lifted up. Whose prayer do you think that God heard? Whose prayer do you think God heard? The Pharisees were very religious people. They followed the law to the letter. They even added new laws. They, they they looked down, though, on others who were not like them, namely the unsaved. Many of you are around unsaved people every day. Or maybe you, you do your work. Or maybe it's your family members or whoever it might be. But you put them down. You talk against them. You even want to send them to hell. Oh, why should I even minister to them? They're going to hell anyway. They're not listening to me. Why should I waste my precious time talking to somebody that's doomed to go to hell? I've got better things to do. I must be at the church. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Oh, when the offering comes, you're the first one in line waving your $100 bill or your $500. $1,000 check because you want everybody to see you. You're not doing it out of love for God. You're doing it because you want to be seen. You don't care that people are dying and going to hell because you never mentioned Christ to them, not one time. So you see the Pharisees' problem was their attitude and their nature. They think that they have the nature of God, but what they're doing, they're just following the law. There's no love there, there's no uh, compassion there. They're not reaching out to the lost or to the poor. Get it the best way you can. I got it. I'm saved. I don't need uh, to have to drag somebody else along with me. But Jesus told us to go into the highways and the byways and to compel men and women. Uh, to come, that we're supposed to make disciples of them and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost because if I disciple someone and that someone disciples someone and that person disciples one or two others and so on and so forth, we can change this world it isn't changing because the body of Christ is not doing its part. The body of Christ is just thinking about themselves. Oh, when the rapture comes, I'm going. I can't wait to get out of here. But with attitudes like that, are we really going anywhere? Are you going to be in heaven in the rapture, or during you know when uh, in heaven with Christ when the rapture hits, or are you still going to be here for the great tribulation and you suffer the same things that the world and the unsaved will? Now, tax collectors. Now, they weren't nice people. They were cheats. They told people that they owed more in taxes than they really owed, and then they would pocket the profit that they made off of each person. In these, in this scripture, God is looking not so much at the person, but at the condition of the heart of the person the tax collector was looking to be redeemed but the Pharisee was looking only to lift himself up the one that would go in the rapture the one that wants to change his ways the one that wants to repent the one that wants to live for God and do what he's supposed to or the one that he is so holy That even if he made it to heaven, nothing would be right for him. He would be complaining. So why would God even bring him up there? He doesn't need complainers and people that think they're bigger and better than even God is. That's what the enemy did. That's why he was kicked out of heaven. He didn't want to do what God did. God. He was the most beautiful creature, most beautiful angel that God had made. He was the number three person. In heaven. But no, he wanted to do his own thing, go his own way, do it his way. He thought more highly of himself and then talked other angels into following him. Be very careful around proud people, people who overestimate themselves and look down on others. In the church today, we do the same. When sinners come in and they're not dressed like us, Or maybe they smell of cigarettes or dope or alcohol or maybe they have a lot of tattoos. They however they smell, they need Jesus. I repeat, they need Jesus. They're coming to church For a reason, they realize that something is missing in their lives. And it is up to you, the child of God, the saint of God, the one that says, I love you, Lord, the one that's been doing all the shouting, the one that's all you can't beat praising the Lord, the one that sings the loudest. And then when these people come to church and you turn around and you look at them, and then you give them a disapproving look, and then you have the nerve to lean over to your neighbor. Look at her. Look at what she's got on. Look at all those tattoos. She ought to be ashamed of herself. She is unregenerate. She doesn't know. She doesn't know the life of Christ like you do. But that's where you come in to teach her, to help her, to teach him, to help him. If you don't like what they have on and they give their life to Christ, why don't you get her phone number? Why don't you get her address and why don't you pick her up and say, you know what, take her to the mall or take her to Walmart or wherever you can afford to take her and buy her something nice that she can wear to church so that next time she come in, she's not feeling left out and alone and feeling like, you know, everybody's looking at her because you already know that you're unsaved. So you don't need to be made to feel like, you're you're an outcast or something is wrong with you. But when these people come in, no matter what they look like, they need Jesus. As Christians, we are to show them love. You can't witness to them if you don't have a heart for them. Just like when you first came to God as a sinner, someone put their arms around you and helped you to meet Jesus. Turn to James chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 and it says this in the message bible. That's James chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 and it says if a man enters your church wearing an expensive suit and a street person wearing rags comes in right after him and you say to the man in the suit sit the best seat in the house And either ignore the street person or say, better sit here in the back row. Haven't you segregated God's people and proved that you are judges who can't be trusted? That you can look at someone who has money or so you think they have money. Now, you're putting someone in there, you know, because he has a nice suit on and and he's this and he's that. But you don't know, this could be the biggest devil worshiper in town. But you're just looking on the outside appearance. But God is looking at the heart where this beggar comes in, and he's really looking. He wants to change his life. But you want to put it back, he's outcast. You don't know if that is an angel that has come down from heaven just to see. Because the Bible says, be careful, because you might be entertaining angels unaware. You have to be careful how you treat people you don't know if that's an angel or not. You don't know if that's Jesus having come back just to test us to see where we are in him. I read something on Facebook recently where there was a pastor that was taking over a church and nobody knew who he was. Uh he was this is going to be the first Sunday that many of them met the pastor. All that knew there was something that he wanted to do, and he told a few of the board members and they uh agreed with him and What he did was before church start, he was out in the parking lot and what he did was he began to approach people walking up to them, you know trying to hold a conversation, asking uh for a quarter here and a quarter there if they could help him you know with a cup of coffee or something a few begrudgingly gave, you know, a dollar to others, you know they didn't want anything to do with him. They you know, they, they, they were highly insulted that this man would even approach them like he did in the house of God. How dare he? Well when the uh moderator of the service stood up and said, Well now we are going to bring up our past our new pastor of this church. And people got excited and they started clapping, and everybody was looking around, waiting for him to come out of the pastoral office, but they didn't see anybody. And all of a sudden it got quiet. This old man, who was dressed up in the raggedy clothes and looking like a bum, stood and walked up to the pulpit and he introduced himself as the new pastor. Many of the people held their head down in shame because they knew that they did not act like a Christian. Now that is many of us. We don't act like we're Christians by how we treat other people when they come into the house of God. You put the one that that that's in 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 the suit or the one that has uh, credentials or he may be a movie star, or he may be an athlete. You put them up front, but the poor, you set them in the back. But for those who have, they can sit anywhere in the church because they already have what these people in the back are seeking to get. So be very, very careful. For you see, uh, we have all come short of the glory of God, and not one of us is anyone else. We have to be so careful how we treat other people. Stop looking down on people. Stop sending people to hell with your mouth. Stop saying, oh, he doesn't deserve to be saved. Stop saying, I'm not going to waste my time. If your church has an evangelistic ministry, go out with them and help lead people To Jesus, go out and pass out tracts, buy you some tracts and have some tracts with you and pass them out and give them to people. Maybe you can't um, talk like you want to. Maybe you don't always have the words, but you can hand somebody a tract on salvation that will tell them how to get to God, how to meet God. But it's up to you. Do you want to have that proud look? Because that is the number one thing that God says he hates a proud look. It is an abomination unto God. Number two, a lying tongue. God hates a lying excuse me a lying tongue. Acts chapter five, verses one through eleven, and this is uh, from the Common English version. Now in Acts chapter 4 the people came together and sold what they had whether it was land or goods or whatever it was they sold it all and they brought the money and laid it at the apostles feet and all of the money was distributed evenly to every to every man such as what every man made. And in uh this church was a couple Ananias and his wife, Sapphira. Now, uh, they gave, they sold their land, they gave, but they lied about how much they sold their land for. And let's listen to their story. In verse 1 of Acts chapter 5, it says, However, a man named Ananias, along with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. They were wealthy people. And it says they sold a piece of property with his wife's knowledge. He withheld some of the proceeds from the sale. He bought the rest, and under the authority of the apostles. And in verse three, Peter asked Ananias, "How is it that Satan has influenced you to lie to the Holy Spirit by withholding some of the proceeds?" From the sale of your land. See the apostles were godly men. They spent time with God. Not only during that time, but they had spent time with Jesus Himself. They had witnessed all of the things that Jesus uh did while he was here on earth. And once they were the Holy Spirit, God began to really use and deal with the apostles in several different gifts. And here, Peter knows that Ananias is lying about what or how much he sold his land for. And he says, Satan has influenced you to lie to the Holy Spirit. You know, you just didn't lie to the apostles, but you have lied to God himself, the audacity to lie to God. Wasn't it after you sold it, was it the money yours to do with whatever you wanted? What made you think of such a thing? You haven't lied to other people, but you've lied to God. And when Ananias heard those words, he dropped dead right where he stood. Everyone who heard this conversation was terrified. Some young men stood up, wrapped up his body, carried him out, and buried him. Now, about three hours later, his wife entered, but she didn't know what had happened to her husband. Peter asked her, tell me, did you and your husband received property for the field? She responded, yes, that amount. He replied, how could you scheme with each other to challenge the Lord's spirit? Look. The feet of those who buried your husband are at the door. They will carry you out too. At that very moment, she dropped dead at his feet. When the young men entered, found her dead. They carried her out and buried her next, or buried her with her husband. Dread seized the whole church, and all who heard what had happened. Why do you think lying is bad enough, but then for a person to think that they can lie to the Holy Spirit, don't you know who God is? See, we're not to fear God like being afraid of him. You know, some of us grew up being afraid of our parents or being afraid of bullies or you know afraid of So we're afraid of snakes, or we're afraid of heights, or we're afraid of flying or getting on a cruise ship. We're just afraid. We have uh, phobias and things of this nature. We're afraid of the dark. But you see, we're God's children, and he loves us. But we are to fear him by reverencing him and respecting him. Just like when we were children. We knew our moms and dads loved us, even when they spanked us, even when we had to go. On. There was, you know, we we had those times with mom and dad that we could play and and do fun things. But there were those times when we were we respected our parents. Well, back in the day, we did. We respected our parents, and we we did not talk back to our parents like young people do today. But that's a whole total different subject, and we'll get on that one at another time. But um, we're to respect God. He is creator, judge, supreme. He's all-seeing, and all-powerful. Just like we respect authority here on earth, we must respect our heavenly authority. Now, on earth, when you perjure yourself in a courtroom, you pay a fine or you go to jail or both. We respect the judge. We call him your honor. Uh, We call the queen your majesty. We call the president Mr. President. We must respect God. We must take his name in vain, adding it to curse words. Remember who you're talking to and don't lie to him when especially God knows and sees that you're lying. What would make you think that you can get away with a lie to the Holy Spirit? In Psalms chapter fifty two verses two and four it says your tongue devises destruction. It's like a sharpened razor causing deception. You love evil more than good. You love evil more than speaking what is right, Sillah. You love all destructive words. You love the deceiving tongue. You would rather lie, the scripture is saying, than to tell the truth. It is easier for you to tell a lie. You love it more. You love the destructive words that it causes. Uh, You love the deceiving tongue. A lying and a deceitful tongue makes God sick to his stomach. It's an abomination unto God, and it's repulsive to What should we do if we find ourselves lying often? First of all, we need to ask God's forgiveness, and we have to repent. In Psalms 120 and 2, it says, Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. You see many times when you get caught up with some certain people, especially if it's a man and woman kind of a thing, the man will lie. He will speak deceitful things to you. <laughs> what he wants. Well, if you love me, you'll do this. Well, you know, I I can go to any woman and get what I want, but I want it from you. Oh, I love you. And I would never tell anybody about what we've done or what we're doing. Lies, deceitfulness. And because you as a woman you want to be loved, you want to be cared for, you you want to feel secure, you believe that lie. You get to the point that once you are so deeply involved, and whatever it is that you get involved in with this person, or be it a, a, a man, uh, be it a woman lying to a man, once you're so deeply involved, then their true colors show, and then you're stuck. You're 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 bound to them. You have that soul tie. There's there there's things happening to you, and you want to get out of this situation, but it becomes hard. But God says in verse two of Psalms one twenty. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. Means to repent and turn from our wickedness. Well, i only told a little white lie. I didn't tell a big one or a black one. Well, first of all, I didn't know there was a color chart to lying. Uh, There is no big or little lie. Then you might say, well, I didn't want to hurt their feelings. But a lie is a lie, just like a sin is a sin. There is a saying that all of us know, and that is honesty is the best policy. You can speak the truth in love to people, and it is through your spoken truth through them or to them that they can The word says that the truth shall set or make us free. The spirit to lie does not come from God. The Bible says in John chapter 8, I believe it is, that the devil is the father of lies. And so when you lie, because see, first of all, a lie comes to you, and then you got to think about it for a minute. And once you start lying, you have to keep lying And keep lying lying until all of a sudden what started off as what you say is a little lie eventually explodes into a huge lie. And then you're stuck because you're following the devil who is the father of lies. Because it seems so much easier to lie than it is to tell the truth. You see, I work in the retail industry. So, in working in the retail industry, a lot of times women will come. Um, uh, and you know, I don't work in a store anymore. I have my own business, but I was working in the stores, and many times women would come. Oh, does this dress make me look uh, thin, or does it make me look big, or, or oh, how does this look on me? Is this the right color for me? Oh, I just don't know. I don't want to look fat. I don't want to. I mean, it was just one crazy question after another. But see, if you learn how to tell the truth and be wise in telling the truth, you can say something to someone and never hurt their feelings. I would say, well, you know, that dress, the color, I believe, if we go with a lighter color, or, you know, depending on what her complexion was. Uh, I think instead of that dress, how about we do that dress over there that has the jacket on it because possibly she had big arms or something. But I would say something that would not tear her down but that would further build her up, I would say. That dress right there looks good on you. Uh, the length, What first of all, I would find out what is the... Um, the function that you're going to—if she was going to a uh, uh, an evening function—I would suggest a formal type or a informal type um, dress, or you know, the, as they, as we quote, as we often say, the little black dress that every woman should have. But I would find out what she was doing. What was the purpose of her uh, of the function she was going to? If she was going on a date. Or whatever, and I would try to find the best thing. You know, I would ask questions, but I would never lie and tell her, "Oh yeah, girl, that looks good on you." Because I was trying to make a sale, I would never do that because I don't make it a habit in, to to lie. Uh, some people uh, will make a business deal and they'll tell you, "If you get this person and you get that person, and then they go out and get five more people, you'll make all." Those schemes and those pyramid schemes, you can make all this money and the only person getting rich is the person that's actually um, uh, giving the meeting. Uh, People will try to lie to you when you're uh, trying to buy a car. Or they'll lie to you uh in an inch, you know when you're dealing with insurance or in infomercials on the t v the thing is working great, but when you get it, it doesn't work for you at all and you've spent in you sent in your nineteen ninety five your two payments in nineteen ninety five and it's not working for you and any type of business where you have to deal with customer service many times these people will lie to you, so you've got to make that round uh the business dealings that you have are with good, decent people. everybody does not have to be a Christian that you deal with, but you still want to deal with people that are honest because in many of uh, cases, many will lie to make the sale so that they can get greater commissions, and even sometimes managers of the store or of the company, the owner will tell you to lie. And this is where you must make a decision of integrity to stand on God's word or follow the world system, which is to lie. you going to follow? Are you going to follow after God's system and follow the word and do away with lying? Because God hates uh, lying. It is one of the uh, seven things that God hates. And just like adultery or fornication or stealing or murder or suicide, God hates lying, but he does not hate the liar. But he does hate the sin of itself that's called lying. Well, we're going to stop here and we will discover other traits, attitudes and natures and sins that we have as we continue our series on Are You Rapture Ready? Next week, I won't be on the air. I have a previous engagement, but the week after that, we're going to do part two of the seven things that God hates. And what we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and do a song, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk with you about your life with 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 Christ and um go ahead and enjoy the song and let the spirit of the lord minister to your heart
3: Coming together, it. it's moving and it's breaking. My brain is shifting at the atmosphere. Every oath will be destroyed. I believe it. Every change. And, moving, and it.
0: think they should don't get mad don't cuss nobody out don't hang up the phone worship if you could just get you out of the way enough to lift your hands and say God I need you right here You'll be shifting the atmosphere Cried myself to sleep Don't know where my son is He's he's been gone for three days I may call the police Yeah But before I do I'm going to lift my hands
1: Because in my worship They'll find
0: him alive and well And you'll be shifting the atmosphere Pain in my body Doctors don't know what it is They tell me just take this medication And that gives me another problem And they say they take this And that gives me another problem But the next time I go to the doctor Before I walk in the room I lift my hands And I'll be shifting the atmosphere
1: Through and
3: healing, world worship is shifting.
2: the atmosphere. There are some of you tonight on the radio broadcast that needs to have your atmosphere shifted. You need for God to do some changing in your life. You need him to change some situations around for you. Maybe some of the things that we talked about tonight was some of the things that uh, God has been trying to reveal to. You have seen where this could be detrimental to your walk in Him. So you need to ask God to shift the atmosphere in your life. You need to begin to ask God for forgiveness. You need to lift your hands to Him and you need to begin to praise him and worship him and begin to change your life around. Ask God, Lord, I need you to change my life. I need you to change my uh, situation. I need you to shift the atmosphere for me. I need things to go better than what they're doing right now. Lord, I've got some problems, some issues that I need you to work out for me. But, Lord, if you'll help me, I can do those things. I need those things, Father, God. I need those things that are hindering me to break in my life so that my atmosphere can be can be shifted, and I don't have to put up with this again, but that I can move forward, that I can take those steps into my destiny and into my purpose, and that I can be everything that God would have me to be. Aren't you tired of being stagnated? Aren't you tired of being mediocre? Aren't you tired of being a powerless Christian? Thinking that all is well in your life when it really is not well? God loves you so much, child of God. That's why He brings the messages to you that you hear because He's trying to give you He's trying to get you to where he is right now. He is on his way back, and he's coming back for a church without a spot or a wrinkle. And not saying that you're not going to make mistakes and that you're not going to do wrong. We all do wrong. All have, come, uh, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we don't have to wallow in our mistakes. We can get out of those mistakes. All we have to do is lift our hands to him and say, Father, help me out of this. I don't want to be like this anymore. I want to be changed. I want to be new. Even if you're a Christian, you can still uh, make mistakes. There are still things in your life that you need God to help you on. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God loves you so much that if it just had been you, Jesus would have died just for you. Romans 5 and 8 says, But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 3 and 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans six twenty three says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we may be made the righteousness of God through him. And Romans ten nine and 10 says, That if thou shalt be the Lord Jesus Christ, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation all you have to do is to receive Jesus is you must confess with your mouth you must acknowledge that you are a sinner then you must believe by faith you must believe by faith that Jesus God's son died on the cross for your sins I am asking you Some of you may have some things that you need to ask God to forgive you of. We're going to pray about that. Some of you may be backslidden. We're going to pray about that. Some of you may not even know the Lord, and we're going to pray about that. But for those of you who are backslidden, and for those of you who um, have never met the Lord and made him your personal Lord and Savior, we are going to pray. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. I'm sorry, and he with me, meaning to fellowship and have relationship, to dwell with, and so let us pray for those of you that may be backslidden, or those of you who have never met Christ. Let tonight be the night that you meet Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Let the night be the night that you come back home to Jesus and live for Him uh, as best as you can, as best as you know how to live for Him. Let us pray, and I want you to repeat after me. What I pray, and I want you to say it after me, and I want you to say it from the bottom of your heart and mean it. And if you say it and you believe it, you believe in your heart that Jesus died for you on that cross, and that your life, you will be saved. And you believe that, you will be saved. So let us pray. Dear God, I confess that I am a sinner. And I am sorry. I need a Savior. I know I cannot save myself. I believe by faith that Jesus, your Son, died on the cross to be my Savior. I believe He rose from the grave to live as my Lord. I turn from I ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive my sin. Come into my heart. I trust you as my Savior. And I receive you as my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And if you meant that prayer, for those of you who never had met Jesus before, those of you who were backslidden, I want to say, welcome to the family of God. you pray and you believe that you are now born again, you are now back in, in good standing with God, and God is going to do everything he can for you. You need to find you a good Bible church. You need to find you a good Bible. You can go online. You can go to Bible Gateway, and there are several different uh, versions uh, of the Bible. And you can find the one on there that uh, the, where the reading is understandable for you. We basically use the King James Version, but if you need to use the God's Word Translation or the New King James or the Amplified or the Message or the NIV, Bible, whatever one stands out at you that you can understand your walk with Christ. Get in that word. Start praying. Start uh studying your Bible, start reading your Bible and find you a good uh Bible church. If uh you have prayed this prayer and you just don't know exactly what to do, then email me at a word from God twenty thirteen at AOL dot com. That's a word from God twenty thirteen at AOL dot com and I will help you find a church in your area. And if you have any questions, you can also email me and I will answer as I can for you. Well, I do, once again, want to say uh, on tomorrow night, I will be starting my End Times uh, teaching where I will be sharing the Word of God on the End Times. Uh, we're looking to have a glorious time in the Lord. You can go on my Facebook facebook page which is uh a word from god um uh, on facebook it's a word from god you can go on you can find the link to um go to my um uh webinar on tomorrow i believe that link is a is any dot com anymeetings.com. it's Anymeetings.com dot com slash a word from god one that's anymeetings.com dot com slash a word from God one uh we will be on their teaching at seven o'clock on tomorrow's central central standard time. I ask that you join us. we're going to be learning a lot about the end times and I pray that uh you'll have your notebooks and your pen and and your your uh pencil and your coffee and whatever it is, your donuts, and just sit back and allow the word of God to teach you on the upcoming events uh for the church. Again that is tomorrow night starting at seven o'clock that's central standard time and um uh, we will be only doing it for an hour We will be doing this every Monday night until we finish the study. You don't have to go anywhere. You can wear your pajamas. Your hair can be messed up. You don't have to brush your teeth. I mean, kick back and enjoy the Word of God in the comfort of your own home. We will be doing PowerPoints, so there will be a lot of different things that you'll be able to see Uh, You can take lots of notes, and we're just going to have a glorious time in the Lord. Remember, on next Sunday night, I will not be on the air. I do have a previous engagement, but uh, I will be back the following week, uh, and, and we're just looking to have a glorious time in the Lord. We will be doing part two of the seven things that God hates. Hallelujah. How many of you know this is just a tidbit? How many of you know that there are going to be two judgments? There's the Bema Seat Judgment, which is for the body of Christ, where Jesus Himself will judge those who are in the body, those who are in the church, the bride of Christ. The Great White Throne Judgment, if you are in the Bema Seat Judgment, you do not have to go through the Great White Throne Judgment. The Great White Throne Judgment. Is for those who have never received Christ, those who have turned their backs on God, those who have blasphemed, those that are not a part of the body of Christ or who did not go in the rapture. So, all of those old songs we used to sing about the great getting up morning on the last day, forget all that stuff, and I'm going to share with you what's really going to take place. There are two judgments, the BMC judgment for us, the great white throne judgment for the unsaved. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to A Word from God on blogtalkradio.com. I am your radio hostess, evangelist, Rebecca Collier Hagler, saying thank you for joining us. May God richly bless all of your endeavors for him. See you in two weeks. God bless you, and good night. Hope to uh that you'll be on the webinar on tomorrow evening, seven o'clock PM, Central Standard and I hope that you have a very, very good week. Good night.